0: Welcome. You can run, but you cannot hide. We're going to talk about Jonah today. It's a big fish story. But before I get into that, let me just, uh, I want to pray for Renewal Church of Chicago. You met Derek Puckett if you were around last summer. Uh, they're planting today in a, in a, in a, in a restaurant that is a uh, Gluten free bakery restaurant down by United Center. A church is starting in the city of Chicago. We are one of the major sponsors of this church, and I just want to pray a blessing over them as they launch today and thank God for what they've done. God, I just want to pray for Derek today. Thank you for um, the, the fact that there's now another place in Chicago, uh, in the city of Chicago, down by the United Center, where where, where young people are moving in, where, where there's a, a lot of different racial diversity, and, and they're going to be uh, giving up the bread of life on Sunday uh, while uh, the gluten-free bread place is closed up. And I'm just thankful for the fact that, that we've been able to have a part of that. Lord bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, excited about the fish story, okay? I mean, uh, it's probably the most famous fish story in history, and the Natasha Benningfield song, You Can Run, But You Know Why? Why would you keep running from God's love? That's what this is all about. Why would you do that? Does anybody have pet fish? Do you realize how dumb fish are, okay? Like a koi pond, right? You know, I mean, you, anybody, I got, that's what, I, I mean, they're not really pets. They just like swim around. They don't, they don't do anything. So how does God get a fish to go along with his plan? I mean, maybe, I, I, you know, to me, I just, when I think of fish, I think of, you know, Dory. I mean, that's it. I just, you know, <laughs> that's all you can think of, short-term memory loss, right? That's what you think of. And they're stupid, but maybe they're not as stupid as we think. Maybe your pets aren't as stupid as you think. you ever wonder what your pets are doing when you're not at home? I have some pictures. Maybe they're brushing their teeth, <laughs> playing solitaire on your really old computer that you need to upgrade. Maybe they're sleeping in the toilet helping you with the dishes, doing their makeup. Maybe they had a bad night last night, (laughs) sleeping with the mouse, who knows. and um, that's what's going to be happening to you, right? I get that, okay? I get that, okay? A lot of people get really uppity about the story of Jonah, okay? This is kind of like one of those places where people that don't want to believe in God, this is one of those places where people go, well, I can't believe the Bible because the Bible says Jonah got swallowed by a whale, and there's no whales in the Mediterranean Sea. Has anybody ever heard that before? I mean, maybe they only complain to me, but you know, they're like, well, there's no whales in the Mediterranean Sea, and I'm like, as if the story makes sense if it's the Pacific Ocean. I mean, come on. You know, oh, well, yeah, there's whales out there, so the guy gets swallowed by a whale and lives there for three days and gets spit back up in exactly the place he was supposed to go in the first place, okay? Uh, there's two problems with, with your theory on uh, the Bible being bad because of Jonah. Number one, and this is really important, the, the Bible doesn't say it was a whale. The Bible says it was a big fish. We pinocchi it, Okay? <laughs> That's what we did, right? I mean, we made it into a Disney movie. The Bible doesn't say that, okay? And that's probably a moot point because it's still a crazy, dumb story. There's no way it could have happened. And this is why the second part of this is really important. It's a miracle, okay? It's like saying, well, the story of the Israelites crossing the Red Sea can't be true because, you know, there's no dry land strips across the Red Sea, No, I mean, God had to make something happen. Well, Jesus couldn't have healed a blind man by putting mud on his eyes because nobody's ever been healed by mud before. If we had that kind of mud, we would sell it for a lot of money and everybody would be happy. No, no, no. These are about miracles. Of course, they're irrational. They're irrational because they're miracles and they're called miracles for a reason. All right, don't get hung up on it, though. If you don't want to believe in it, it's okay. You can either believe the Jonah story as a real story, or you can take it as a beautiful allegory. It doesn't matter to me today. I don't really care, because you're going to understand from this story today that either way, there's some great lessons for us, all right? I just want you to understand, and I'll put it up here so you get it. Without a category called miraculous, most of the Bible would be irrelevant, right? I mean, I mean... (laughs) If God can't make a big fish come and swallow Jonah and let him live for three days and spit him out on land, why do I think that God can take my body after I die to another place and let it live forever? Right? Jesus said, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. It doesn't make any sense. At some point, you're going to have to get to the point where you believe in the miraculous. And I believe in it. If you ask me, Tim, do you really believe this literally happened? I, I do. And it's really pretty simple for me. And it's because Jesus did. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, and Jesus actually said, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the earth. I mean, he was predicting his death, burial, and resurrection with the story of Jonah. So if Jesus believes it and he can rise from the dead, then I'm going to believe him. All right? But again... If you aren't there, if you aren't there yet, whatever, if you don't believe in the supernatural power of God, we're still glad that you're here. You don't have to believe anything to be here. I just want you to know that. We welcome you. Or you can believe, like, everything if you want. You can believe in extraterrestrials. You can believe you saw Elvis at Burger King. It doesn't matter. You can believe whatever you want, okay? You're still welcome. The security will be watching you a little more closely, but (laughs) you're still welcome, Okay? The story works because every one of us in this room has, at some point in our life, run from God. And what we've all probably discovered at some some point is that you can run from God, but you can never get away from his love. I love that song. For many of us, Running was uh, something like this. It happened something like this. I grew up as a fill in the blank, the, the the faith of your parents. You know, I grew up as a you know Baptist, Catholic, you know Assembly of God, what whatever Presbyterian. I grew up as a something, a, a, and my parents had me baptized and I got confirmed because I thought I was supposed to. And then I got to college or or, or even high school. I got, I got to some place where my parents weren't making me go anymore, and I you know I I said to myself, I've paid my dues. Time after time, I've I've done my sentence. I've committed no crime. <laughs> and bad mistakes, I made a few. I've had my share of sand kicked in my face, but I've come through. And I'm gonna go on and on and on and on, and, on and I'm gonna leave this God thing behind. Yes, I had that eight-track too. I know you're wondering. I did, absolutely. <laughs> it probably wasn't even a conscious decision that you made. But one way or another, you kind of said goodbye to God that you didn't need him anymore. And then maybe you're here because um, something good happened in your life. Maybe like, for example, you had kids and you were like, oh, what are we going to do? We need to teach them something, right? Or maybe something bad in your life happened. And you realized that God was the only place that you could turn because you had nowhere else to go. And then again, again, maybe you're not back yet. And that's all great. Andy Stanley gave me a lot of help on the sermon. He did a great job with it. And he says this. He says, maybe yours is a specific running from God. Maybe you're not running totally from God, but there's just this one area where you're saying, God, stay out of it. Like, for example, he said, maybe you're a believer and you're dating someone who isn't a believer and you've been doing it long enough now that you're pretty sure they may not ever become a believer. And yet you think to yourself, well, the biological clock is ticking and, you know, they're really cute And it's easier to make a cute person follow Jesus than for an ugly Christian to become cute. So God, you're just going to have to leave me alone on this one, okay? Right? Or maybe you're in a marriage and you're wanting out. I can't tell you how many times I've been through this scenario. You're in a marriage and you're wanting out because you found the mythological right person, you know? The unicorn. You found them. And now you want to go be with the mythological right person. And God is like, hey, you committed till death do you part. You've got the right one right now, baby. You need to stay here and do what you're doing. And you don't really like that answer because this is exciting. So you're running in just this one area. Or maybe it's business for you. You know, you're you're doing business and you're doing pretty good, but you know the way you're doing business is a little bit shady. And you know, if you were ever to stop and say, God, how would you like for me to run my business? You know, God would say, well, obviously not that way. And so you're like, okay, well, just leave that alone. and, and, And I'll be close to you and everything else. And you're just running in one area. I mean, we all do that. Can we just be honest? I do that too. We all do it with parts of our life. You know, I'm running from God in this one specific area. And we're hypocrites because we pray, God, please protect my children, protect my family, you know, take care of me, give me everything that I need, but just don't mess with this one area of my life because I'm running right there. Let me just ask you, is there a person in this room over the age of 10, let's say, who has never, ever run from God, is, could you just put your hand up? Okay. I want you to look around because, because there's no hands up. And I think that's important. I think you understand that. Because if you're running from God, uh, I, this is not like me preaching down to you. This is about, this is about the, I want to help your life be the best thing that it can possibly be. And everybody in this room, including myself, has run from God. As a matter of fact, we could rename our church Jonah Christian Church if we wanted to, couldn't we? I mean, we really could. Everybody in this room has been a runner. And there's a couple reasons why we run, I think. The first reason why we run is because we don't really believe that Father knows best. This is what Casey and I were talking about last week. I I mean, this is Adam and Eve in the garden. This is about discipleship. This is about all of it. Why would Adam and Eve in the garden have everything they could possibly want? They're in paradise, and they have everything they could possibly want, and there's one thing they can't have, and so what do they do? They They go eat the apple or the pomegranate, or whatever it was. They go eat it, you know? Why? Because they think, well, there might be something else out there. Why do people go from one relationship to another, to another, to another? Because they keep thinking, oh, there might be something else out there. Maybe God doesn't know what's best for me. Why do people get stuck in sin and think that somehow that's going to give them something that God can't give them? It's because we, always, we don't really believe that God knows the best. It's like health. We talked about this last week with discipleship. It's like our health. I know that I want to be healthy. I know I want to keep my cholesterol down. I want to live long. I want to serve God. You know, I, I, so I exercise and I eat well most of the time. And then my daughter comes home from college and she wants to eat Chinese food and pizza. And we go to Frankfurt Fall Fest and they have fried stuff on sticks so you can walk around and shop while you eat at the same time, Right. I mean, so so that's what happens. We're like, there's a short-term thing that's getting in the way of the long-term thing. And so we run from God in one area. Maybe it's finances for you. I just want to tell you, um, I, I mentioned last week that uh, my, fa- my son-in-law works for Dave Ramsey down in, uh, in Nashville, and we're a big Financial Peace University uh, church. As a matter of fact, we're going to get more involved with it in the things that they do. But Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey is really literally just Dave taking biblical principles on money management and putting them into a nine-week course so that people can, can figure out how to, do, how to live their lives. And people are like, I can't believe how great things are. If you were here last week, you heard me play the debt free scream of the guy who had robbed the bank and ended up paying it back and was debt-free. I mean, why can't we all live that way? Well, it's because we don't really believe that the Father knows best. The second reason, I think, is because we really don't even know God. C.S. Lewis was once talking to a schoolboy, and he said, tell me, what, what do you think God is like? And here's the boy's answer. God is the sort of person who is always snooping around to see if anyone is enjoying himself and then trying to stop it. Did any of you grow up with that kind of image of God in your mind? You know, it's like, okay, God is just up there with the lightning bolts, you know, and he's just waiting for me to do something wrong. And the problem is, if you see God as the man in some way, of course you're going to run. <laughs> we all run from the man, right? We all, I mean, if, we, if we're guilty, we're going to run from the law. And unfortunately, if you've confused church and God, you're really going to be messed up because a lot of times the church will hurt you. And a lot of you have experiences where the church has hurt you, and you think the church and God are synonymous, and so you're like, well, I'm running away from that. And and what you've done is you've run away from somebody that you don't really understand because of the lens, the smudged up lens of your background, of how you grew up, of how you thought God was, just like that little boy. Please, please hear this. If I or someone else at this church hurts you, if somebody at another church has hurt you, please understand that they're just human beings. And please don't get human beings and God confused. We're unveiling the Life on Mission stuff. I wrote this book, Life on Mission, and uh, got the DVD. We got the curriculum for our small groups. We're all going to be going through it. Got it all available for you out there. Signed books after this is over. Um, the first book I've ever had published. I've written a couple other ones, but they were so bad nobody ever wanted them. So, um, and I got Rick Warren to do the forward, so you know they published it. But but it's 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 basically a book about how if all the people in the United States would start living as disciples, if we would start living like Jesus, let's just put it that way. That we wouldn't be the third largest mission field in the world. You realize that you live now in the third largest mission field in the world. There are 195 million unchurched Christians, uh, unchurched people in America, I'm sorry. 195 million unchurched Americans. Why is that? Because they don't know who God is. They think God is some bad guy who's snooping around wanting to see if they're having fun and trying to stop it. They think God is some guy who's standing with a picket sign at a, at a soldier's funeral that says God hates certain kinds of people. They think that, they think that God is this, is this nasty, mad person. And they think that Jesus is too because they've never met him. But as we start to live life on mission, people will understand that that's not who God is and that's not who Jesus is. That, that's what this is all about. That Jesus' church, I mean, the reason that it blew up, we've been talking about that around here, the reason that it grew up, that it blew up so fast in the, in the first century is because Jesus is awesome, and everybody wants to be with Jesus. It wasn't until they started messing with things that the church went downhill. So we're going to have, we've got Life on Mission Central out there. We've got small groups, uh, DVDs, and this is me teaching, okay. I mean, this is, this, is, this is me teaching you along the way. This is a group, that, group book that we put together that everybody's going to go through and a, a hardback book that, that I wrote, and you can get copies of it, and we're going to do this all together. What I want to ask you to do is to host a group, all right? This, isn't gotta, this doesn't have to be weird. Remember we talked in Acts 2 about how they met together in the temple courts and then in each other's homes. They, they just hung out, all right? What I want you to do is host a group at your home, I want you to, to get, pick up the material and sign up out there and say, you know what? I'm going to host a group. I'm going to do it with my family. I'm going to do it with some of my neighbors. I'm going to do it at work. I mean, these are like 15, 18-minute teaching things that we've got going on here. You, you could do this on a lunch hour. All right? This is be, be pretty simple for you. All you need to do, host stands for, if you haven't heard this before, have a heart for people open up your home or your office or Starbucks or whatever it is, serve some snacks, because whenever God's people get together, we have to eat. I don't know. It's just a rule. And and T is turn on the DVD. It could be your laptop, it could be your TV, you know, whatever. I mean, that's all you've got to do. You don't have to know the answers. You just turn it on and you just go. And I want to encourage you to do it. I want to, and even if you're, you know, you can't do it with a bunch of other people, do it with your family, do it with somebody and go through this together. We're going to do this for six weeks starting at the end of September. That's all, that's all we're going to concentrate on it for now. We'll come back to it along the way. Now, here's the problem. Here's why I, here's why I say this, okay? I talked about the man earlier, and, I, and I'm just going to apologize right up front for any of our law enforcement officers in here because I, I'm, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm just telling you how the rest of us feel sometimes, okay? It's the difference. The difference in not knowing who God is is the difference between having a cop following me or having my dad following me as I'm driving down the road. All right? Think this through, right? You're in the left lane. You're headed down I-80, 294, whatever. You're in the left lane passing some idiot who's going the speed limit, right? And you're you're going. (laughs) (coughs) You're in the left lane, and all of a sudden, you see a car. They're tricky now because they've got like Ford Explorers with the lights on the inside now or, you know, whatever. And you realize um, that they're following you, and there's a lot of extra lights in their vehicle somewhere along the way. What what is your natural reaction? I'll tell you what my natural reaction is. Okay, I know not to put on the brakes because that's way too obvious. So if you have the cruise control, you click off the cruise control. Your hands slide up to ten and two where they were supposed to be. You slap the cell phone off the dash, right? Turn off the you know the radar detector if you have one of those and if you're one of those kind of people, you you know pull the plug out so they don't see the lights up there, right? And then you have a decision to make, right? You have a very hard decision to make. Am I going to ease off so much that I come back in behind this car that I was trying to pass? Or do I go ahead and go around them? And you know probably, you know, you might as well go ahead and finish what you were doing. Because it's worse to look really obvious. So you go ahead and you go around them. You get up, you know, very slowly. You know, like one mile ahead of them all the way. And you get up far enough. And then, of course, you turn on your turn signal. Don't forget the turn signal. And you ease over in front of them. And you pray right there, like you're a believer in God for a very new way, that <laughs> they keep going, okay? Again, officers, I know that you're here to serve and protect, but that's just how we feel, okay? Uh, because we're lawbreakers. We, we don't mean to break the law, uh, you know, we, but we are. We just know that we're, we're not that good. The difference between that and having my dad following me is for one thing, my dad's going to be like a mile back there because he drives way too slow. But he's going to be back there. But he's not. He, he might give me a hard time for bad driving habits. He might say, hey, you forgot to turn your turn signal on when you change lanes or whatever. But for the most part, I know that my dad is back there. That's a good thing. If, if if my car breaks down, he's going to help me. If I forgot my wallet and we're going to get gas, he's going to be there for me. You know, he needs to stop and go to the bathroom even more than I do. I mean, all those things work out really, really well. That's what I'm talking about with this God thing. If your image, if the world's image of God is this, you know, lightning bolt, this, this guy who's just, you know, he's a, he's a cop in a bad mood, who's just waiting to write a ticket, it, it, whatever that is, if that's who you think God is, then of course you're going to run away from him. You see that? I mean, we don't believe that God either knows the best, or we just don't know God. That's why we run. All right? Let's talk about Jonah. Jonah, three things will always happen when you run from God. Always, always, always. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and he said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Watch what happens right here. When we run from God, We usually run to stupid places. Stupid places. What does Jonah do? Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. All right, let me put a map up here of the Jonah journey, okay? Jonah is over here in Israel. He goes down to Joppa, and instead of boarding a ship to go to Nineveh, he boards a ship to go to Tarshish. Does that help you a little bit? Okay, this is not a uh, no thanks to God. This is a expletive no to God. This is a oh no you didn't to God, okay? But, but what, what my point about this is is that You're gonna get in a boat? I mean, really, you're gonna run from God and you're gonna get in a boat? Does that make any sense? You're gonna go out into the sea? This is like those horror movies, right? Where they hear a noise in the basement and they're all like, oh, well, I guess we should go figure out what the noise is coming from the basement. You're like, no, the scary music's on. You know the hockey mask guy is down there. Don't go down in the basement. If I'm here talking to Jonah, I'm like, Jonah, stay on the land, man. Are you kidding me? I'm going to run from God. I'm going skydiving. This is so dumb. (laughs) But but let me ask you a show of hands. How many of you would say in running, as I look back on my life, in running from God, I have run to some really stupid places, all right? Yeah, isn't that funny? I mean, we really, really do. And what happens is our family and our friends, they're like, "You're, you're going where? You're going to marry who? You're going to work where? You bought a what? You're getting in a boat? Come on. Every one of us, if we look back on running from God, like your biggest regret relationally, you would look back and say, man, how could I have been so blind? I was, I'll tell you how you could have been so blind. You were running from God. Singles, can I, can I just say this? This is a good Andy Stanley point. If you're running from God, please don't get married. You run, do whatever you want to do, but please don't get married. Don't start a business with somebody if you're running from God. Don't make a bad choice because you're probably going to run to stupid places when you're running from God and not even realize it. Secondly, when we run from God, our life usually falls apart. This is kind of the point here, right? Our life usually falls apart. What happens to Jonah when he runs? Now, oh, here we go. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up all the sailors were afraid. Now you got to understand this, right? It takes a lot to scare a sailor. They're pretty used to this, to the sea. They were afraid and each cried to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they drew straws, they, they rolled the dice, whatever it was, they're like, let's figure out what the problem is. And they cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. It didn't take very long for Jonah's world to become unraveled. Because that's what always happens when we run from God, is our life becomes unraveled. Maybe not in a night, maybe not in a weekend, but it will come apart. Why? Because you're turning your back on God, your Father, who knows the right things for you. You're turning your back on on the God of wisdom, the God of love, the God who knows everything and the right way for you to live, and you're running the opposite way. So your life is going to unravel. And the third thing I see from this story, when we run from God, we run to stupid places, our life falls apart, and you always hurt the people who are close to you. Isn't that true? The people you live with, the people you date, the people you marry, if they're running from God as their life unravels, your life is going to be negatively impacted. In the story of Jonah, think about the sailors. That's what I'm talking about in here, right? What did they do first? They jettisoned their cargo, which meant losing money. And, and when they get to port and they have no cargo, they're probably going to lose their jobs. And now they're fearing that they're going to lose their lives, right? So, so what did they do? All they did wrong was let a guy on the boat who was running from God. I mean, if you let a guy on your boat who's running from God, your life is going to be negatively impacted. Moms and dads. If you are running from God, listen to me. If you're running from God, your spouse and your kids are going to be injured by the shrapnel of your life as it blows up. It's not just about you. There's going to be shrapnel that's going to go out and it's going to affect everybody around you. And you can pray that God will protect them and you can do whatever you want to to try to keep them away from whatever it is that that you're running from God in. But I think we have a generation of children who are going to pay their whole life because their parents were runners again singles teenagers listen to me young people okay you want to know why your parents have such an overreaction to some of the people that you hang out with or some of the people that you date you want to know why that is i mean it's like if, if, if you go home today and uh, and your boyfriend comes over and your parents go oh hi jonah i mean john how are you good to see you <laughs> a little indicator for you okay and here's what you'll say, because this is what I said to my parents. It's no big deal. I'm not going to marry them. Right? Listen, it doesn't matter. When you're running with somebody who's running from God, it doesn't matter how pure, how, how great your life is on track. You are going to be hurt by the fallout of their life. Now, this is a really important concept because as we get into life on mission, the very first action step that I'm going after is the fact that we need to be around people who don't have God in their life. We do need to be around people who are running. We need to be friends with them. We need to be neighbors to them. We need to love them. We need to connect with them just like Jesus did. But don't start a business with them and don't marry them. You know? Don't let them move in, because it's likely that if they don't get a hold of God's plan for their life, their life is going to blow up, and it's going to injure you. I mean, this is really important that you get this. Jesus had Judas with him for three years. He was close to him, but he never would have allowed him to lead his church, because he knew what was going on in his life. And of course, Judas's life obviously did blow up. Now, here's the great news, Okay. God is always going to try to get you back. What well, we learn about God in the story of Jonah, why I love it so much. I mean, the first thing is that Jonah wrote the book of Jonah. So everything that, that you're reading here is Jonah looking at his own life and calling himself out, you know, and saying, boy, I was a real bonehead. That's basically what you're reading here all the way through. And what you see in the book of Jonah is basically the entire message of the Bible, which is God always trying to get his people to come home. He's always trying to get you to come back. It's the entire New Testament message. It's the biblical message of grace and mercy and love. What we discover in the, in, the, in the Jonah narrative here is that God will actually come and involve himself in your mess. He's not just sitting on the sidelines going, man, I hope you come back to me. He's going to jump into your mess and try to stir things up in such a way that you will come back. This is the incarnation of Christmas, boys and girls. That's what we're talking about, right? Coming down, he came into our mess and became one of us to save us. Now, when I say he comes into your mess, I need to explain that. Andy Stanley said it really well. God will sometimes even increase the consequences and the pain, not to pay you back, but to bring you back. Jonah got on the ship and went to Tarshish. God's the one that caused the storm and sent the fish. If it means allowing you to suffer, if it means allowing you to bump up against the consequences because he wants to bring you back, that's what he's going to do. And he's not going to do it because he's the lightning bolt guy. He's going to do it because he wants you to understand that his way is right, that he is your father who loves you, and and he wants you to come back home. And Jonah gets it because once the short stick fell to him, he realized what was going on. So they asked Jonah, verse 8, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of the heaven, who made the sea and the land, the land that I should have stayed on. This terrified them. And they asked. I mean, they never, never like met a God who actually had any power before, so it terrified them, and they said, What have you done? And they knew he was running from the Lord because he'd already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him. <laughs> I love this. What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Since <laughs> the Bible's not funny. That's funny. What should we do to you so that our life turns out okay? Okay? At some point, you're going to have to realize that it's futile and pointless to run from God. You're going to have to understand that. And at some point, it may even get to the place where the people around you are like, dude, would you please get your junk together because you're hurting us? You know, we're, we're all going to drown here. What should we do to you to make things better for us? This is what needs to happen. Because God is always going to try to bring you back. And Jonah says, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to pick me up and throw me into the sea. In other words, I might as well die. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he said, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault. And this great storm has come upon you. Instead, listen to these good guys. These are good people around Jonah. They didn't know God yet. But these are good people. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not because the sea grew wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord. Do you see that bold Lord there? That means they learned God's name, Yahweh, and they—I mean—they basically converted right there on the boat. You know, they had—they're having this near-death experience, and they're like, "Okay, we're going to start worshiping you, Lord Yahweh." Um, what was his name again yeah okay we've cried out to the lord O lord please do not let us die for taking this man's life do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you O lord have done as you pleased they took jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm listen to this and at this the men greatly feared the lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. You know they did, right? They threw him over, but imagine you're Jonah. Imagine you're Jonah, and, and you hit the water, and as you're sinking down into the water, you realize, you're looking up, and you realize that instantaneously all the waves have stopped, and the storm has stopped, and maybe the sun has even come down, and you're sinking down into this abyss, and you realize that this whole thing has happened because you were running from God. I mean, just imagine that feeling. And at this point, Jonah learns something about God, that, that, that sometimes God isn't going to chase you when you run, but he's going to wait patiently for you. It's the prodigal son story. Jesus is, I think, Jesus' is the best story in the Bible, right? The father didn't go chasing after the son. He just made sure that everything was ready for whenever he came home. So, then there's this fish. I know, again, I know it's crazy, <clears throat> but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights, Is that hard to swallow? I mean, pun intended, you know? (laughs) I mean, God God did create fish in the first place, and, and it is a fish. I mean, I gotta point this out. God didn't make a giant panda bear learn how to swim and come up and grab him and live inside of a giant panda bear for three days, all right? He could if he wanted to, but it's not that difficult to think about the fact that a fish could do this. There are big fish. I look for big fish on the internet. That's my favorite picture, and from the looks on the guy's face on the left, I don't think that's photoshopped. I mean, there are big fish out there. That's just a catfish. There are documented cases of men being swallowed by whales and being cut out and living later on. I don't recommend it, but, but don't just automatically picture a cartoon Pinocchio running around inside of a whale bailing out water as he's, you know, as he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with himself, all right? What I'm saying is don't pass this off. God wants it to happen. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, God created the fish. The Bible says, how many of your works, O Lord, in wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures, He can do whatever he wants to. And of course, it's a crazy story. I know it's a crazy story, but one way or another, please understand that God will do crazy things to help you come back. He will do crazy things to bring you back. And you can believe it or not, but the reason that God provided a storm, the reason that God allowed the lot to fall to Jonah, the dice to roll to Jonah, the reason that God provided a fish, the reason that God allowed him to live three days inside of a fish, which had to be awesome, is because he loved Jonah. It's also because he loves Nineveh, which is an even crazier story I'm going to get to next week. What I want you to know today is that God will allow you to face some unbelievable circumstances and sometimes some unbelievable consequences if you're running from Him because He wants to get you back. He may allow your marriage to unravel even more. He may allow your kids to get even farther away. He may ignore your prayers, but it's not to pay you back, it's to bring you back. He will do anything He can to bring you back. I mean, I, I've been thinking about this. As a father, as a mother, Any of you who are in that scenario, you would do any, if, if if uh, you know, I just think of the movie Taken. I mean, I would do all of those things, and so would you. If my daughter was kidnapped, if my daughter ran off, you know, with some person, and she was somewhere far away, and I knew that she was in danger, and I knew that she was going the wrong direction, I have connections, I I really do. I mean, you know, I've got, uh, we have mob people that go to our church, I can handle this, okay? (laughs) I will do some stuff to make sure that my daughter comes back and that that boy never wants to be around my daughter again. You know what I'm saying? That's what I would do. And so would you. Because I I love my daughter. And that's how God feels about you. And the thing is, when you're running from God, you're, you're forgetting a couple of very important things. First of all, you're forgetting that he is the God of wisdom and that he knows best. Okay, we talked about this already. I love this picture. It, it, God has a perspective that we just don't have, okay? I mean, th- th- this, is a, th- this is exactly what our life is like sometimes. And God's looking at it, and we're like, hey, leave me alone, man. I just want to have fun. Hey, leave me alone, man. I'm going to run from you in one area. And God's looking at us, and he's going, look, this is not going to go well for you. I can see the end of the story, and and as a parent, you know, as God, he is going to knock you off that skateboard. He's going to break the wheel of your skateboard, or he's going to put a big whale down here in the end to swallow you when you go in, but he's going to do something to try to make sure that you don't mess up your life because of what you're doing, because he is that smart. That's what he has, is a perspective that you don't have. And the second reason why I think this is important, we we just forget and we run from God, that we forget the fact that God is the source of unconditional love and acceptance. And a lot of the times I see people running, they're running because they're trying to fill up their love tank. They're running from one relationship to another relationship to try to fill up the love that they're looking for. I see marriages blow apart because they're looking at each other expecting them to fill up their love tank. I see families blown up. I see people who are trying to find success or whatever it is, and because they're trying to fill up this need for unconditional love and acceptance that God is right behind you trying to give you all along. And if you'll just turn around and look at him, if you will just turn around and take it from him, if you will just turn around and understand that he's your father and he loves you and that's why he's behind you, and you'll turn around and run with him instead of away from him, it'll, it'll change your life, not just in eternity, but right now. You know, I, I, Casey said something about Jesus, Jesus came To help us, because discipleship is basically Jesus asking people to run with him, you know? That's really all it is. Jesus came along and said, follow me. Let's run this way. Stop running that way. Let's run this way. And then I just started thinking of Forrest Gump, you know? I I started thinking of Forrest just running back and forth across the, you know, across the continent. All these people started following him. The only problem is Forrest had no idea why he was doing it. He was just doing it. Jesus knows where he's going, and he wants us to follow along behind him and start running behind him because he knows the way to get to God. He knows the right way. And the reason I was excited to do this sermon is because I really—I mean, I love this story, and the second part of it's really crazy. I—I I, I wanted you to hear this because of one phrase that was in the very beginning of Jonah when he's on the. It says that Jonah had gone below the, the deck. Okay, the storm has already come up, but Jonah had gone below the deck, and he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain said, how can you sleep? Get up and call upon your God. And I know that some of you are running from God, and you're just in the, you're just in the bottom of the boat asleep. You're not even paying any attention whatsoever. So I, I'm, I'm coming along here, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Why are you sleeping? Get up and call upon your God and start running the other way. You're running to stupid places. Your life is going to blow up. And when it blows up, it's going to hurt a lot of people around you. So maybe this is a day for the runners to come home. Maybe this is a day for you to say, you know what, I'm I'm going to turn around and come home. So I want to ask you to stand right now. We're going to spend just a moment in worship. I'm going to pray for you first, and then I'm going to pray for you after. And we're just going to spend a minute in worship. And I want you to understand that God loves you this much. So would you just take a moment with me and let's pray. God, I just um, thank you for the amazing story of Jonah and how much you involved yourself in his mess. And I just want to pray that as we think about our lives and what's going on right now, as some of us have been asleep in the bottom of the boat, will you let this day be a day when we realize that we're running away from you and we need to call upon our God. But Lord, please don't let us call upon the God that we thought we knew, that was just waiting to write down all the bad things that we've done and make us pay a fine. Will you please wake us up to the fact that you are the God who loves us and that your love never fails. In Jesus' name,